Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back in Better Than Ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. I will have Timmy Legler on the Shell Pinzel performance line in just a moment. Take you through the double trouble and the bubble last night. The Clippers inexplicably fall in the kind of fashion that just doesn't go away for a really long time. Bam Adebayo makes a defensive play that Magic Johnson says is the best he's ever seen. We'll talk about those with Timmy Legs, and then we'll bring Damian Woody in here and talk about where we stand right now in the National Football League season, heading into a a big game tomorrow night to kick off Week 2. But I will mention before any of that, that right now um, it is time for a fascinating stat brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I give you a fascinating stat every day, and here's one that's fascinating. Doc Rivers is now the only coach in NBA history to three different times blow a 3-1 lead in a playoff series. We've talked a lot about the first two, but I have a feeling this one will get more attention and be remembered longer than the other two combined. Tim Legler joins me with thoughts on that. Tim, if, if I had told you after game four that we'd be sitting here talking about the Nuggets getting set to take on LeBron and the Lakers, what would you have told me then? Yeah, I would have said no chance that Denver wins three straight games. There's just no way. Um, And I wasn't even being dismissive of Denver. Uh, I'm a fan of their style. I I, I think they're very well coached. But um, I thought the Clippers would win the series. I thought the Clippers would get to the finals. And so certainly if you ask me that question of 3-1, particularly the way Denver looked in a couple of those games, and particularly the way Jamal Murray looked in game four when he looked basically like he had completely run out of gas. No, there's no way you could convince me that that would be the case. We'd be sitting here now with the Denver Nuggets playing the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. And further, if I had told you that the Clippers would have a 16-point lead in game five, and then they would have a 19-point lead in game six, and then that Kawhi and Paul George would combine to go scoreless in the fourth quarter of Game 7, we wouldn't have believed any of those individual things, much less all of them happening. So, you know, we talked very early this morning, and it all felt very fresh. Now that you've had a little time to reflect on it, how would you explain what happened to the Clippers this past week? Well, here's what I think their biggest problem was. I really do believe there was a sense of entitlement built around their talent that they just believed ultimately because they did have the most talent of any roster, I believe, in the NBA. I think they had the deepest rotation of any team in the league. I believe that they thought they had Kawhi Leonard on their side, and he seemed to be a machine in terms of coming through uh, in every big moment that he needed to uh, since we saw him start the postseason last year with Toronto. Um, I just think they believed it would come together and ultimately their talent would win the day. As a result, I do not think they put enough emphasis on the fact that they had been inconsistent. They hadn't really defensively found their footing. Um, I just believe they thought, particularly Doc Rivers, and even the look on his face last night as that was taking place in the fourth quarter, it was a look literally of just shock. They believed that at the end of the day, their roster would get them through it. And it was, a, it was a major mistake against a team that, as the series went on, just started to doubt less and less their ability to be able to operate against that team and get what they wanted to offensively. And by the time you got through game five and it was 3-2, I firmly believe Denver was absolutely convinced they were going to win that series. And it's, it's a major failing on the part of the Clippers for the, I think, the overall attitude that I just described. I think it was appalling 
that they sat there and did not have any sort of an answer for what Jamal Murray and Jokic were doing to them in their two-man game. They never really adapted or adjusted to anything. Um, it's almost as if they kept sitting there waiting for those guys to cool off and to not play as well as they were playing. And then, you know, we have Kawhi, we have Paul George, you know, it'll, it'll be fine. We have Lou Williams. And so for me, it's just a major shortcoming, uh, what that coaching staff, I think, did. And also, I'm not going to lay it all at the feet of Doc Rivers, but I think he takes a massive hit here. It's also, look, their best players really wilted in the fourth quarter. That's what it comes down to. Look at the first six minutes of the fourth quarter, Greeny. That's all you really need to know. Um, they came up really small at a time when Jokic and Murray were playing their best basketball. There's no other way to explain it. They weren't all difficult shots created by the uh, Denver defense. Those were makeable shots, particularly for great players. And they went, I believe, 0 for 9 to start that quarter. And the game and series were essentially over. Uh, Greeny and Tim Legs with us here. So, Timmy, I made this remark earlier. I said if we were to insert the word Lakers where we are using the word Clippers and insert the name LeBron where we are using the word Kawhi right now, I can't even fathom what the conversation would be today. And we understand the difference between the legacies of the two players. But to what degree does this stick with a guy in Kawhi who, as you just said a moment ago, and I agree, had always come up big in the biggest moments. How, how does this affect the way we view him? I don't think it uh, sticks to him anywhere near as much as it's going to stick to Paul George and Doc Rivers. I can tell you that. And, and part of the reason for that is, look, Kawhi Leonard did not play well last night. Kawhi Leonard, for the most part, was sensational in the postseason. This year, we know what he did last year. And he carried that team to a championship offensively a year ago. Um, he got them through the series with Dallas when Paul George was struggling through the first four games of that series and was a complete no-show. You saw what Paul George's numbers are in his career in Game 7s. They're significantly below not only his postseason scoring, but his regular season scoring and production and shooting percentages. I think the guy's affected by pressure. And you know Kawhi Leonard on a night when he didn't have it, hey, it'd be nice if I'm playing with another star to have that guy maybe step up in this moment on a night when I'm not playing my best and, and I'm not shooting with that normal precision that I do in pressure moments. So I, I don't think Kawhi Leonard's going to get beat up nearly as much. Certainly LeBron is a different level of scrutiny. There's never been any more probably overly scrutinized, uh, unjustifiably so, uh, athlete that I've ever seen than LeBron James. Um, but with what that guy's done in his career and the number of big moments he's had and the number of teams he's, he's taken to finals and won championships um, and year after year after year, he's, he's obviously a different level of expectation. And there's a cert- still to this day, I think, Greeny, a carryover of animosity toward LeBron when he first left Cleveland. I still think there's a group of people out there that never were able to embrace LeBron James again, never were able to accept his greatness um, at every turn, try to debate why he has shortcomings. There's a group of people out there like that, and it was created at that time when he left Cleveland. So they're waiting for him to fail. So the, the level of vitriol directed at LeBron James is going to be greater than any player in the NBA. Kawhi, is, for one, he carries himself a little bit differently, quiet demeanor. He doesn't bring a lot of attention to himself, and people think LeBron has done that. Kawhi is just not going to generate that kind of animosity, and he's so fresh off that incredible run a year ago, and even for the most part this year, played sensationally. I don't think Kawhi Leonard gets hit with this at all. I do think Paul George and Doc Rivers, man, that, there's a lot of, of responsibility to bear between those two. Agreed, completely. And so 
What do we think the fallout is? Paul George said after the game last night, we, this team wasn't put together to win just in one year. So do they come back next year? Do they chalk this up to having been just such an unusual circumstance in the bubble? And let's just bring this group back as best we can next year and try and win it again. And if not, what do you think some of the change there might be? Yeah, well, first of all, that comment by Paul George was one of the silliest things I think I've ever heard a professional (laughs) athlete say. It really was. If you think about today's day and age and what we live with in the NBA and the way these teams are put together and the way star players coordinate where they want to play, and you're talking about two guys now, they're not 22 years old. They just got to to a team together or were drafted together by a team. And, no, you say, okay, yeah, the window here is, hey, let's grow over the next four to five years. You know, this isn't a Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid situation. This is two guys that orchestrated arriving with the Clippers at the same time, which means – The clock starts now, and every year you don't win a championship together, starting year one is an epic failure. So that's, let's just clarify that. There's no such thing as, well, we knew this was going to be a long-term process. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. Absolutely expectation was to win it this year, and every year you don't. Is, is a lost year because you don't even know how long these two guys are going to stay together. That's just not the way the nature of the NBA is now, Greeny. Guys come together for very short windows, and they expect to win immediately when you have two you know, perennial all-stars, MVP caliber player in, in Kawhi. Get together, you expect to win immediately, so they, and they didn't. Now, does that mean that you break those two guys up? No, I don't necessarily think that's the case. And if you want to make the argument, hey, you know what? They're going to have a better chance next year if they have a normal, full, uninterrupted season under their wings. Yeah, okay, I'll buy that. But here's the problem. I said going into the game last night, if they lose that game, there's a very good chance they make a coaching change. Now, I don't know if, if Doc Rivers is you know beyond reproach in this league, and that's how people view it. But when you look at the entire body of work with the Clippers and the amount of talent that he has had with that team since he got to Los Angeles and to never get that team even to a conference final, and I know they've had injuries and whatnot when he was there with Chris Paul and Blake and those guys. I understand that. Bottom line is you've had, you've had a run with as much talent, okay, different, and even different uh, teams put together with different layers of talent. To never have done that – and to have a team come back from 3-1 that is clearly on paper an inferior team in terms of talent, I mean, I don't, I don't know why, if you're Ballmer, Steve Ballmer, why you aren't significantly looking at that and just wondering, is Doc at a stage of his career where, you know what, rolling those sleeves up and making people accountable in the film room and doing all the nitty-gritty stuff that you did maybe back in your Boston days, um, you know, he's not willing to do that as much anymore. And I think you need to look at that because this, this is just a collapse. Um, and they can dance around and deflect all they want to about not being together and whatnot and talking about the pandemic, interrupting the season and adding guys. Go ahead. All the excuses you want. Bottom line is that's the deepest team in the NBA, and they came into this situation in this series healthy against a team that doesn't have as much talent, and they let him come back from 3-1. And they never had an answer to slow their momentum last night once Denver took control of the game. They went out, I mean, talking about leaking oil, every analogy you can use, wheels coming off the cart, leaking oil, I mean, how many more can we come up with? It was a pathetic response in the second half. And I think if you're Steve Ballmer, you really got to sit there and look at that. Do you just say status quo? Or do you, you want to, you know, maybe mix some things up there? I don't know. Maybe I'm dead wrong and, and Doc's got a lifetime guaranteed contract if he wants to coach. I don't know what Steve Ballmer thinks. I just think it's something worth looking at. 
It's really well said. Timmy, this was excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you for this morning. Get some rest, and I'll see you as this thing goes forward. You got it, Greedy. Take care. That's Tim, Timmy Legs with me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas, gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. We will do much more hoops as we go, but I wanted to get Damian Woody on the program here, and he joins me now, my big buddy, who was terrific on Get Up this morning. And one of the things I wanted to talk about with you, D. Wood, is this. Let's take people behind the curtain a little bit. So in the second hour of Get Up today... We had planned for you to comment on the disaster, the debacle, the disgrace that was the New York Jets' performance against the Bills on Sunday, and in particular, your thoughts on Coach Adam Gase, which I've not yet had the chance to hear. And what happened was the Big Ten (laughs) news broke at about five after nine, and thus all of that went away, and I wound up talking to Desmond Howard about the Big Ten coming back and playing. And so not only did no one else get to hear your thoughts on this, but D. Wood, even I didn't get to hear your thoughts on this. So here you are. Welcome. The floor is yours. What was your perspective on on that game that ruined not only my Sunday, but has ruined pretty much every day since? (laughs) Well, first of all, congratulations on the show because it's my first time, uh, first time being on. But Greeny, I Thank was you. up in Bristol. I was up in Bristol on Sunday watching all the games, um, you know, for Sports Center later on in, during the day. And you know, I keep a close eye on, on the Jets, obviously because I played with the Jets, and um, I, I can I can unequivocally say the Jets were by far the worst team um, that played last Sunday. It wasn't even it wasn't even close. I, listen, I understand it's the first game. It's everybody's first game. Everybody's been dealing with the pandemic and, and all the restrictions that's been going on this offseason. They, they looked like they had no clue what was going on. The play calling was suspect. You know, Sam Donald looked like he's regressing. His, his mechanics, footwork looked like it's gone backwards. Um, guys just dropping ball. It, it, just, it really looked like the varsity against the JV with the Buffalo Bills out there. And I understand – Buffalo is a trendy pick this year. They've been they've been you know moving in the right direction for the past couple of years. They've been nipping on the Patriots' heels uh, within the AFC East, but that was just a un, that was just a disaster up in Orchard Park. <laughs> Everything that could go wrong did go wrong in that Jets performance. And um, listen, I, I, I you know I, I've said it. I, you know I, t- I think well I didn't get a chance to mention it today on the Knock on Wood segment on, on Get Up, but. Listen, if Adam Gates doesn't turn this around, he's going to be looking for future employment, and I mean very soon, because you can't have that type of performance to start off a season, especially coming after last season where your offense was basically the, the, the worst offense in the league. You can't be called an offensive guru or offensive-minded head coach, and your offense continues to stink. It's 100% right. I can add many things to it. Every offense he has ever coached, where the quarterback was anyone but Peyton Manning, has stunk. That's just a fact. If you look at the numbers, none of them have ranked in the top half of the league in terms of scoring points. Further, look what happened to Ryan Tannehill the minute he got away from Adam Gase, and that that goes for other players as well. So uh, there's a thread of commonality in all of this, D. Wood, and they're just, in my opinion, wasting time until they make this move. It's just, it's so clearly going to have to eventually happen that you're just sort of kicking the can down the road and delaying the inevitable, and my biggest fear is what it is doing to the development of the young quarterback. 
Well, Greeny, you're absolutely right. You know, I'm a big believer in Sam Darnold, but, it, you know, just watching him on Sunday, he looked very skittish, uh, particularly in the pocket. I think, you know, the protection was the protection was okay, but he looked very nervous. Um, he was missing wide-open guys, Greeny. I mean, there was one play um, on Sunday where he had Jamison Crowder wide open on a what they call a scramble drill for a touchdown. And he, you know, anytime Sam Donald gets out of the pocket, that's usually his strength. But he did, not only did he not throw the ball, he took a careless sack in the process. And you're just thinking, what is this guy doing? He's not progressing. He's, he looked like he's getting worse. And it just goes back to the coach. You know, if you're a offense, if you're a QB whisperer, if you're an offensive co- offensive minded coach, you need to see something from your from your franchise quarterback or everyone's going to be out the window. Greeny and D. Wood with you, presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Let's talk about a few other things that are more fun. Aaron Rodgers against the Vikings Sunday looked as good as I think we've seen Rodgers look in several years. What did you see and what do you expect this year to be for him? Greeny, he looked vintage Rodgers. Vintage Rodgers. And, I, and, I, and again, I said it on the show this morning, I have to be the first one to say I've criticized Aaron Rodgers the past couple of years because I feel like his play, he hasn't looked like vintage Rodgers where he's pinpoint um, pinpoint accurate in the pocket and outside of the pocket, making those, those Aaron Rodgers-esque type of plays that we've been seeing for years. That's what we saw against the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, he was dissecting that Vikings uh, defense all over the field. And not only that, but I think the most encouraging thing was we saw some of the younger wide receivers uh, start to step up for the Green Bay Packers. Alan Lazard, uh, uh, Marquez Scanlon, um, you know, he stepped Valdez up. Scantling, at the wide yep. mm-hmm. Yes, he stepped up at the wide receiver position. So, now, you know, not only do you have Devontae Adams, who, you know, who went off against the Minnesota Vikings, but if those young guys come along as well, this Green Bay Packers offense, watch out. The Green Bay Packers, again, I want to say it again, could could find could very well find themselves down in Tampa at the end of the, at the end of this year. Damian Woody, how far are you away? How much more do you need to see before you will say Kyler Murray is a top five quarterback in the NFL? He's he's not far, Greeny. He's not far. I mean, think about the last two MVPs that we've seen in this league mm-hmm. in Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. They've made you know huge jumps between year one and year two. And I think that's what we're seeing from, from Kyler Murray. I've said it. I think you've mentioned it before that Kyler Murray is that dark, dark horse MVP. You get a, you know, the, the Arizona Cardinals trade for DeAndre Hopkins. So he, now he has a legitimate number one receiver and obviously a future Hall of Famer and Larry Fitzgerald. They have weapons on that offense. And Greeny, he's been playing in the same system since like high school. So he's teaching all these other guys – how to how to go about the system? So he, in my opinion, is Russell Wilson and is Kyler Murray in that NFC West right now. They're going to be dueling out for, I, I, in my opinion, for that division title. One more for you again, Damian Woody. Those who don't know, D. Wood started your career with New England, won championships there, playing with Tom Brady. What did you see from Brady on Sunday, and what? How would you assess your level of concern? Uh, if any, for the way that looked and what you expect to happen the rest of the way? I'm not concerned about Tom, um, his performance down there. I mean, he, he had some things that he did very well, and obviously there was some miscommunication. The the one interception of Mike Evans, it seemed like 
there was a miscommunication between quarterback and receiver. So I, I'm, I'm really not concerned about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I knew coming into the season they might, they might start off slow, but they'll heat up. Um, more reps and more games that they play together, they, this offense will, will explode. I'm not worried about that. Um, so, you know, the, Tem- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should be fine. Um, New England, Cam Newton. Cam Newton, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked good. Mm-hmm. But what they asked him to do, running the football and utilizing that aspect of his game, that's exactly what you got to do because they don't have any explosive playmakers on the outside. We all know about Julian Edelman, who's, you know, getting up there in age. He's not the same Julian Edelman that we've been accustomed to seeing. But the Patriots are the most resourceful organization in the National Football League. They're going to do whatever they have to do to win football games. And if it takes Cam Newton rushing 15 times, then they'll do it. They have a very interesting game. They play Sunday night in Seattle. I'll be very interested to see what happens there. Thank you, big fellow. See you next week. No problem, man. Take it easy. Uh, it's Damian Woody with me here, who's I enjoy talking about the Jets with him because he cares about it, and so we commiserate over our shared woe. Speaking of which, I will explain to you why I, of all people, fully sympathize with fans of the Clippers today. Greeny, the podcast. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepix.com slash Greenberg and use code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com slash Greenberg, code Greenberg, for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply i need a little cheering up this week because my jets stink And I found myself cheered up greatly by the news out of the Big Ten today. I'm a Big Ten fan. I'm a Big Ten alum. I'm a Big Ten parent. And the Big Ten is coming back to play. So I'm delighted about that. And it did make me feel a little better. I don't know exactly what's going to make you feel better if you are a fan of the Los Angeles Clippers today. I'm thinking of my old friend Marcellus Wiley. I'm thinking of Billy Crystal, the legendary comedian and actor. And all the other famous fans of the Clippers And more to the point, all of the not-so-famous fans of the Clippers. Because I think we share a bond. I think there is a bond between those of us who root for these snake-bitten, woebegone franchises. 
And this really felt like your year. The way I would describe this would be if the Jets looked like the best team in the National Football League and the Giants got to the Super Bowl when maybe they weren't expected to, or or maybe they were, but they were sitting there waiting and the expectation was the Jets would beat them when they got there, finally. But instead they lost on their way to someone you never would have imagined might beat them. That's the way I envision it feels to be a Clipper fan today. I think that there's a kinship that we have because I know what it's like to root for the team that is to call it even the little brother in the city in in which you live is overstating it because at least the little brother is a member of the family. Like the Giants, they're not the Lakers in terms of accomplishment, right? The Lakers are, are the most accomplished franchise in the sport. They are the the gold standard. The Giants haven't won the way the Lakers have, but their their blood is blue. They are the blue bloods of the National Football League. They are they are basically the origin of the National Football League. Our franchises like the Giants and families like the Maras who own that Giants. And the Jets are like a little they're like a they're like a nuisance to them. They're like a flea on an elephant's behind. And the, the the idea that you know, the Jets, the, the few times in my life that the Jets sort of owned the town in New York, I've enjoyed so much because that otherwise they've always been such an afterthought. I lived in Chicago for a long time, and that's a two sport. There's, there's a, obviously they have two baseball teams. And when the White Sox won the World Series in 2005, I felt great for them, great for them. And if you saw the reaction, it was great. And of the best record in the American League right now, who knows? They may win another championship this year. But did you see what happened when the Cubs won the World Series? And it's not like the White Sox didn't have a long drought as well. The celebration about the Cubs was not just about the weight. It was about the Cubs. Because there are the Cubs and then there are the White Sox. And that's just the way it is. In football in New York, the, the, the thing between the Yankees and the Mets is a little bit different. I'm not going to go there because there's a different dynamic. A much better analogy is the Giants and the Jets. Giants. Jets, Cubs, White Sox, Lakers. This was going to be your time to erase that. This was going to be your chance. This time you had Kawhi and you had Paul George and you had Doc Rivers and you had Lou Will and you had Montrez Howell and you had Patrick Beverly and you had all that depth and you had all that momentum and you had all of the excitement and everyone in the world was pointing at you and you fell on your face in a way that makes it worse. It's way worse than being bad. Being bad is much easier to deal with. Just become numb to being bad. Like this year, I'll get over the Jets being bad early. I'll just be angry at them. But it will not ruin days of my life after like week three, once I completely give up, which candidly I already have. The worst that nothing in the world as a sports fan is worse than getting close, thinking that it should happen and then falling short and falling short in this way. It's horrendous because not only did you fall short and are the Lakers now sitting there ready to win a championship, at least in part as a result, taking nothing away from Denver. I I didn't think that Denver would get out of this round, so I'm certainly not going to put past them here. And Jokic and Murray, those guys deserve all the credit in the world. But you would expect the Lakers to win. I certainly do. 
And so if the Lakers win another championship, you got to sit through another championship from the Lakers and the world debating whether this puts LeBron closer to Michael Jordan on the all-time list while your guys blew a 3-1 lead, a 16-point lead, a 19-point lead, and then your two stars went scoreless in the fourth quarter of Game 7. That's as bad as it gets. I feel terrible for you. And then the criticism that you're hearing around the league. Let me play Brian Windhorst for you. This was Windy late last night with what he was hearing about the Clippers from people around the league. Brian Windhorst. My phone is such a mess right now. I mean, I am getting texts from executives, agents. I got a text from an owner a little bit ago. People around the game, workout guys, uh, assistant coaches from other teams, coaches. The chatter that is happening right now in the NBA, I mean, I just live in one little corner of it. Imagine the players out there right now. I mean, you think Dame and, and CJ are going off on Twitter. Can you imagine what's going on in some group text, texts right now? Oh, my God. So that's where you are. Because the Clippers, not the fans, I, can't, I don't know about the dynamic of the fans, but certainly the players, they committed one of the unforgivable for, forgivable sins in sports. You know the old adage, act like you've been there before? They did the opposite. They acted like they were the champs when they had never gotten there at all. That team acted, they were diminishing others, diminishing Dame and all the stuff they were doing. And I get that there's an element of that that is just fun and they're all just out there talking trash and, and, and they're all living in this bubble environment. I'm not going to criticize them for it, but what you have to remember is that if you're going to do that and then you're going to do what you did last night, then it's coming back to you tenfold. And so that's what's happening. They acted like they were the champs. They acted like they had already done it. And that's basically what Tim Legler criticized them for at the very beginning of this hour, if you were with me. Tim Legler basically said they acted like, well, we're so talented, it really doesn't make any difference. And they didn't show up, and they didn't coach it, and they never figured anything out, and they just kind of acted like they could roll the balls out there because we're the Clippers. But the problem is, A, there are other teams out there just as good as they are, and B, we're the Clippers just doesn't have that ring to it. You have to knock, you have to do it. If you want to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. They had their chance. They could have gone toe-to-toe seven games with the Lakers, led by LeBron James of all people. You had your shot. This could have changed everything if you were a fan of the Clippers. So I feel for you. I I want you to know that. If you're listening to me right now and you're a fan of the Clippers, I want you to know that I feel for you because I think there's a kinship that exists among those of us who root for these sort of woebegone franchises and I know how, I just can't imagine how brutal this day has to be. Because this was really your shot. And it comes up this level of short. Greeny, the podcast. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? 
to vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. All right, Granny, back with you. I remind you that my podcast is back this fall. It's called I'm Interested. I'll be interviewing a variety of legendary sports announcers. And the first week, my first guest is Vern Lundquist. You can listen to it, find it anywhere you get your podcast. It's called I'm Interested. The great Vern Lundquist is my guest. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Shell Pens Oil Performance Line. Great conversations today. Tim Legler, very critical of the Clippers. No one more critical of them than Kendrick Perkins. But I've not spent enough time, I think, on what happened last night with Miami and Boston uh, because it just got overshadowed. We, 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 it, got, we, it got buried on the TV show this morning because the Big Ten news broke, and then we came here, and we have the Big Ten news. And the, the, the way the Clippers lose and the way they go out and what the expectations were for their season just feel bigger than Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Final. But it should not be overstated or understated or underplayed the magnitude of that play and that game. Miami is good, really good. And they've got players that don't get a lot of attention who are great. First of all, this kid, Tyler Hero, is ridiculously good. Jimmy Butler, everybody knows. And Bam Adebayo is one of those guys who is rapidly becoming one of the most valuable players in the whole sport. He just does everything. And that play he makes last night, now Magic tweets that it's the greatest defensive play he's ever seen in the playoffs. That's probably a, well, I, I shouldn't say it's an exaggeration. He's certainly entitled to think that. It's not the magnitude of it certainly isn't that, but it is a hell of a play, an unbelievable play blocking that shot with his left hand, his wrist bending backwards to where it's basically over the rim, over the goal and able to push it away on Jason Tatum, who had a full head of speed and had sort of cuffed the ball and was ready to throw it down hard and tie that game at the end of overtime. And Bam Adebayo was just having none of it. And that's an incredible play. And I have no idea if there'll be any carryover from that to the next. The Celtics absorbed some brutal losses in the first round. Whatever it was that happened last night, it's not as bad as what Toronto did to them in that game three where they had that long inbounds pass from Kyle Lowry to O.J. Ananobi, who, who, OG, excuse me, Ananobi, who knocked in that shot with .5 seconds left. They could recover from that. They can recover from this. And I picked them before the season and before the series. I'll stay with it. But boy, I wouldn't be surprised to see Miami win. And that play is, it is one for the ages. And Magic called it the best he'd ever seen. Michael Wilbon called it pure Bill Russell. And there is no higher compliment you can pay a defensive play than to say it reminds you of Bill Russell. So I'll just say that it's, 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 the series is off to a really good start. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I, I, I haven't changed my pick, although... Very hard to bet against those guys. Very hard to pick a game. Butler and Eric Spolstra. Spolstra gets less attention and less credit than anybody, but he's a great coach. And they've got a bunch of good players. But last night really did belong more to what happened to the Clippers. It belonged to the young players in Denver, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, who have really set themselves apart. But the storyline becomes now, for the rest of this NBA postseason, this unprecedented year, they got cut off by a pandemic in March that came back under these unbelievable circumstances in this bubble in Orlando. And all that has happened, what it ultimately comes down to is LeBron James' path to a fourth title. 
That's what it's about. That is the story of the remainder of the NBA season. The Clippers have fallen by the wayside. As maybe the worst thing you can say about that franchise is that people will stop talking about that in a day. The, the Nuggets will get their chance now. Biggest spotlight there is. I know Jamal Murray wants all of that credit and that attention. Do we have that, guys? Let's play Jamal Murray last night shouting out people, uh, basically calling out people and saying, you guys got to give us some respect. Here was Jamal Murray. We've been showing it. I don't know how else to say it. We've been showing it. And you got Shaq, you got Charles, you got, I think, Zach Lowe's name. I don't even know. Stephen A., all, all y'all. Better start giving this team some damn respect because we put in the work. And we got a resilient team. And we shouldn't have been down 3-1. But you know, to come back from 3-1 against the Clippers, you know, it was a big achievement. So it was fun just to you know, change that narrative. Y'all, y'all can start changing the narrative and um, looking at us in a better light. Good for him. Love it. And I, if I'm Zach Lowe and Stephen A. and Shaq and... And Charles, you don't mind that. That's the way the game is played. We make our picks. We get it wrong. Those guys get a chance to crow. They should. They should. But they're not the story now. If they knock off the Lakers, they're the story. Miami, Boston, all good. Should be a great, hope it's a great series. But the story, the remainder of this NBA season, is about whether or not LeBron gets number four. Because bear in mind, that's what he's going for. His fourth championship, three different teams, resurrect the Lakers, who had been terrible for a decade, and in his second year, they win the championship, and a year in which we talked about how important leadership was going to be, how vital leadership was going to be in the bubble, and here's the great leader and the greatest player of his generation and and immortal, one of the greatest of all time, getting his fourth ring with Anthony Davis still young and the ability to put more pieces around it. It's the storyline. That is the storyline for the remainder of the postseason. And maybe Denver spoils that. Maybe they spoil the party because we've been looking forward to Lakers Clippers basically since last July. And the Nuggets spoil that. So maybe they spoil this. Maybe Jokic plays great. Human triple-double that he has become. First player ever with a triple-double in three quarters of a game seven. Murray scores 40 points last night after looking like he was gassed earlier in the series. So maybe those guys spoil it. But if not, then this becomes the LeBron. The remainder of this thing is about LeBron and his quest for his fourth and his quest for Michael and his leadership in the bubble. And we'll see what happens. Great day in sports today. Thrilled to see the Big Ten coming back and playing football. I look forward to that. Enjoy all the action. I'll see you tomorrow morning on Get Up and then back here. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.